Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Oh, wonderful to be with you. Always an inspiration just to be able to bring you guests that inspire me. So I hope they do the same for you as we step into this wonderful time of spring. Even just that is like, you feel like you're just breathing and that there's light at the end of the tunnel, right? Even though we had some snow this week, it's also been 80 degrees almost. So that's the way it goes up and down. But no matter what the weather is, good music always always brings up the spirit and enhances anyone's mood. I'm so excited to bring you a guest that I had on last year because I had gone to see him at the Elkhart Jazz Festival, and I was so blown away by his incredible, incredible musicality, musicianship, and uh, entertainment factor. Dave Bennett absolutely was one of the best acts I have seen in many, many years, maybe in all time, he is so incredibly multi-talented and he's coming back not only to the Elkhart Jazz Festival this summer, but he'll be at Goshen Theater next week on the 29th and you can get tickets to see him in an intimate theater in Goshen, Indiana. And But I love talking to Dave because he really is an interesting uh, person, somebody who literally started playing music as a child, but playing the music from from decades and and times gone by from the 50s, Benny Goodman, and he is a clarinetist that he's a virtuoso and he's known as that in the world, but he also plays like five other instruments and sings like an angel. So we're going to hear about his new album that's coming out in just uh, a couple of weeks, Nowhere Fast, it's going to be called. And we're going to talk to Dave all about that. We want to thank Balance of Nature, Fruits and Veggies in a Capsule for underwriting The Way Home with Laura Smith, because they, they first of all, they love uh, programming that's positive, that's uplifting and inspirational. And also, I have had such an incredible uh, life-changing experience by taking balance of nature over the years. It's just a perfect fit that uh, they bring you this show and I get to tell you about them. And, you know, it's really interesting because I'm now doing radio in the morning on WMNC and in uh Mishawaka, Indiana. And my hours have gone from, well, I used to go to bed around 2 a.m. Now I'm getting up at 4 a.m. And so with these new hours, my body is saying, what's going on here, lady? We don't recognize you. And I had to, it really has taken me a couple of weeks to get used to the rhythm of it. But when I'm on the air and I'm doing news alongside John Zimney for four hours every morning or three hours every morning, I need my energy. I need it. And so I bring my balance of nature and I take my six and six capsules while I'm sitting on the air because it has in my life in the last 10 years that I've been been taking it. I absolutely can tell if I've missed them one day or not, because you just feel like you're dragging. And when you put these, all this produce into your system, a mixture of 31 fruits and vegetables, you can absolutely feel how energized you become from taking it. And it really is just, have you ever seen a plant when it wilts? It hasn't been watered. It's not getting its nutrition, right? So it it withers. 
that's how my body feels when I don't take the fruits and veggies on a daily basis. I feel like I'm withering. I've got to have my energy boost. And it's just fruits and vegetables, but it's how we're made as human beings. We need to have our fruits and vegetables, the right amount of them, and in a way that the nutrition is left in, that they are not uh, you know, somehow cooked out of the whole uh, equation. So Balance of Nature found a way to get the fruits and vegetables into the capsules, into the veggie capsules. And when you take them, you honestly feel this revving up of, of wonderful energy. It's not like when you have coffee and you start to get the shakes and then you crash. That's not the kind of energy you feel with Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature fruits and veggies makes you feel, for lack of a better word, I know it sounds silly, but alive. So I take six and six a day. I am taking them now at like five o'clock in the morning to get me going so that I can get through uh, doing the news and being on the air at these new hours. And it's, I just count it as a, a major blessing. And so do millions of Americans that are now on Balance of Nature. You can get on it too and get your the exactly the right amount of nutrients from fruits and vegetables that you need on a daily basis, but probably don't either have time or the wherewithal to get all these fruits and vegetables into your house cut up and, and eaten on a daily basis. You can do it by ordering at balanceofnature.com, balanceofnature.com. And make sure that you put my name into the promo code, please, Laura. That's going to give you a discount. 35% off, in fact, your first preferred order. So it's that's a big discount savings. And it also gives you free shipping for good. So put Laura into the promo code, L-A-U-R-A, and start yourself on this track of what I have found over the last 10 years, which is optimum health, which is feeling the best you can feel. And when you don't when you don't take it, you see such a difference in your life and you feel the difference. So go to balanceofnature.com or you can call them at 800-2468-751, 800-2468-751 and tell the person on the phone that Laura is the promo code you want to use for your discount. When we come back, the wonderful, gifted, talented Dave Bennett. Don't go away. It's the way home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, I have been looking to this interview for uh, weeks and weeks, but the man I'm about to introduce you to has been traveling all over the country, including Birdland, the famed Birdland in the middle of Times Square in New York City. So we had to wait for him to get back here to uh, the uh tri-state area to the Michigan and Indiana area. And so I'm so grateful. It was absolutely worth the wait. My guest is Dave Bennett. He is a musician that I only came to discover after I moved here two years ago when I went to the Elkhart Jazz Festival. And I saw him on stage for the opening night of the festival. And boy, did they do the right thing by getting uh, Dave Bennett and his band there because I was absolutely blown away by this man's incredible music, musicianship, uh, the songs, the fun, the energy. Honestly, I hadn't seen someone like him in a very long time. So I was absolutely thrilled that he agreed to do my show last year. But he's back now, as I said, after a whirlwind tour across the country. Dave Bennett, I'm going to say that we'll start 
one of your songs before you even say anything right now. Um, I want to start with a new track from your new album uh, that's going to be out in just about three weeks or so. Um, the album's called Nowhere Fast, but I'm going to start with a title called Awaken Dreams, which is a very, very beautiful song, and it has a lot of meaning behind it. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is Awaken Dreams by Dave Bennett. Oh my goodness, that song gives me absolute chills. It is so very beautiful. It has a dreamlike quality to it. Awakened Dreams. Dave Bennett, thanks for joining The Way Home. Thanks for having me. Um, that song in particular is uh, very special and important to you and your heart. Tell us a little bit about what's behind that song. Well, it's about my mom and dad. Um, you know, my mom passed away in 2007. And I'm an only child, so me and my mom and dad are very close. Best relationship, you know, I, I could have been blessed with. I was very grateful for So um, the song is, the premise, I mean, this goes, this is pretty heavy, but um, the premise of the song is where my dad has a, a dream about my mom. And then, uh, you know, they experience life as they knew it, but then you know, waking up to find it's, it's only a dream. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, sometimes when you sit down to write a song, it, it doesn't, you don't intend a certain subject matter. It just it flows that way. So, um, yeah, that one probably is, is uh, the, the nearest and dearest song yet that yes. I've, I've written. Well, I've seen a picture of your beautiful mother on social media. You have a wonderful active social media presence and, You've posted a few pictures of your lovely mother, and she was absolutely beautiful. And you can absolutely see the closeness and the joy um, in those pictures of you as a younger guy with her and and your parents. And so that must be really hard. And so that's beautiful that you can sort of memorialize her on your brand new album. Let's talk about this new album. This is a, a little bit of a departure for you. Uh, you're a jazz musician. You're a clarinet virtuoso. You're an unbelievable piano player who can play standing up, sitting down, backwards, and with your feet. And uh, you're also a, an incredible singer. So you've got all of these different things going on. But this album is going to be a rock album. And boy, can you rock it. 
Dave Bennett, tell us about Nowhere Fast, and it's coming out in just a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, um, I'd say probably three, four weeks time, hopefully. Um, you know, I started writing most of the songs during COVID, and um, I finally feel like this is an album that really reflects the music that I really love to listen to. You know, I, mean, I, I love all different types of music, and I love to perform different types of music, but um, I mean, I'm some of my favorite things have always been Roy Orbis and Chris Isaac and all those guys. And um, so that's kind of what I, I tend to gear towards when I'm, when I'm listening to music for pure enjoyment. So, um, you know, just spending week after week trying to sound out different things before, before I knew it after a year's time, I had enough material in that style for, for an album of, of my own. And um, it just happened to be that that, that was the, the style I was leaning towards for this. Right. And, and when you say rock, I mean, I think a lot of people have a, a lot of different definitions in their own mind, what rock is to them. Your rock sometimes tends towards the rockabilly mm-hmm. uh, mode. And um, so that's that's not something a lot of people do anymore, especially somebody as young as you are. So I'm outing you. This is radio. But you're a young guy. And <laughs> you're in your 30s, but you have you're known the world over for your prowess on the clarinet, jazz clarinet. Um, you play swing like a virtuoso from back in, in that era of Benny Goodman. And it's just kind of remarkable and unusual to see someone your age acing those those types of genres, again, of music. But this type of rock that you play, it, it's reminiscent for me of like maybe Chris Isaac for people who you know, know that sound. It's that, what is that haunting guitar, you know, that it, it, it takes you almost to the beach or something. And it's, and, and your voice lends itself to kind of that same thing as well. I would say you're a little bit Chris Isaac, a li- little bit Elvis Presley, but you're all Dave Bennett yourself. You're not trying to be anybody. You have a gorgeous, gorgeous, melodious voice. Um, so again, you've got all these things that you're doing at, you know, at this high level, uh, world-class level. And, and yet you're so young. It's, it's interesting to me um, because a lot of young people wouldn't know how to do this kind of music because they would have absolutely no connection to it. But if I recall the last time we spoke on the radio, you grew up listening to really old music with your parents and you fell in love with it. Tell, uh, remind us about uh, some of the things that influenced you as a child. Well, Benny Goodman was the first thing. You know, I mean, that was the first and the greatest thing. But then after that, I discovered um, Elvis and then Jerry Lee. But then when I was 13 years old, and I think that's when everybody hits that adolescent, you're very insecure, you're very, you don't know your place in the world. And, and then I discovered Roy. And I mean, just for me personally, I felt like that was his, he was a kindred soul for me because it was this stylistically, I mean, the, the, the sound of his stuff took me to another world. But it was this very um, kind of ethereal, lonely, um, I don't know, uh, I, could, I could really relate to it. So it was kind of this safe haven. And I, I don't think I'm the only one that felt that way. I, I remember hearing Bruce Springsteen say that, you know, he grew up listening to Roy. And then they became friends and obviously performed together. But it had the same effect on him. So... Which that, makes sense age-wise. That makes sense age-wise. But when I think of 
somebody in their 30s right now, they were growing up and discovering hip hop, basically. So here you were listening to Benny Goodman when most other millennials, because you do fall into that category, were listening to hip hop and rap. Right. right. I it just that stuff never really appealed to me. Um, but when I when I heard the things that I heard purely by just digging into uh, different CDs and discovering things is how I came about it. You know, I mean, I think my family with with music, um, there was no more music in my family than there might have been in any other family. They just, you know, my grandparents listened to the big band stuff. My mom and dad grew up more with Motown and Bob Seger and, and things like that. Where I kind of, you know, I was doing my own thing where I, I, I mean, I, I grew to appreciate all that stuff later on, but I was kind of stuck. At, I still am stuck in the 50s. That's my favorite, favorite decade. But then, okay, so you mentioned Roy Orbison. Then I discovered Chris Isaac. So Chris Isaac was this, it was more of a modern sound, yet with that older sound mixed in. And so that really um, blew my mind. And um, so I discovered Chris when I was 13 also. So I don't know, maybe that music takes me back to a time when my life was starting to take shape, especially with music and, and professionally too. Um, so it's really cool that I can, I can actually create some music that has that influence. I know it's really fun for me. Well, I mean, it's fun for you. And that would be one of my words that I would use to when you see you in, in concert or would see you performing. It is so much fun. I mean, you are, you are just an incredible performer. And like I said, when I, when I meant playing the piano with your feet, I was not kidding. Like you do these amazing things on stage and, and you're all over the place. And it's just, it's just way, way fun. Um, you are going to be at Goshen in Goshen at the Goshen theater, correct? In a week. So the 29th. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it'd be great. I mean, you know, Indiana has become our second home essentially. And um, this will be our first time at the Goshen Theater, but they've been lovely people to work with. They're so nice, and um, it should be fun. We're looking forward to this one. Oh, yes, I'm coming, and it is going to be a perfect backdrop. Goshen is such a a beautiful little town. It's like real old-timey and in all the right ways, but culturally a lot of fun, a lot going on there. So you're going to be there at 7:30 on the 29th of April. And um, are you? Do you have an opening act, or is it just you? It's, it's just us. Yeah, I think we're putting on it. The show's two hours, and we do an intermission. Okay. And how many people are in your band right now? Including me, four. It's the same group that you saw last year. You know, that, at that's the Elkhart. The prim- that's the primary group that I use. Yeah, they're awesome too. They're fun to watch. Really, just a, just you guys have great synergy, and um, you have been asked back to the Elkhart Jazz Festival again. Right. How many times will that make it for you? Uh, I think this is this will be the nineteenth year for you. Yeah, two thousand three was the first year I did it. Were you like three when you started playing? <laughs> no, no. I, I uh, the first time I played in Elkhart was it's the Lerner theater now, but it used to be the Elko. And, um, I was actually, it was 20 years ago this month. I was a senior in high school and I was with a band called the new reformation band. They were new Orleans jazz. And, and we did a show there at that particular time. So, and then I, 
I came back there with the new Reformation band for the, the jazz festival for the next, I think, uh, maybe four years. And then uh, I was with another band with my friend Dave Tatro. And then it was 2008, I think, that I first came with my own band. So, yeah, and you, I, 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 yeah, it's been years since I've been coming. Yeah, well, we love you there, and I have friends who, like, they go specifically just to see you and your band because, I mean, you have a lot of fans, a lot of groupies in Elkhart. But for people who may not know this, in Elkhart are, is where the all the brass instrument uh, factories are and have long been here. They've always been known. Selmer. Con, when you talk about saxophones and things like that, you were here recently. I think you were. Were you getting a, a clarinet made for you, a new clarinet or something? Um, well, not yet. Um, Con Selmer, um, I have an endorsement from them, and um, so you know, currently I play on a 1933 Con clarinet, but uh, the, the LeBlanc line, which is part of their their structure. Um, they're developing a new clarinet called the Serenade. So um, they gave there was I went down there for five. They had five clarinets sitting in a row, and they had me try them out. And I found the one I liked. Um, so they're they're trying to get me a, a new clarinet to um, to play. How does that feel? I mean, when you're used to playing something for thousands of you know, shows and it's 1933. What does it feel like to put a, a new clarinet in your mouth? <laughs> well, it's, it's, um, it's different. It's, it, it's a very, very good horn. The only problem that I'm running into is the configuration that I play is different than most clarinets are. I mean, I don't want to get too much in the technicalities of it, but there's an extra key on the clarinet that I play. And I played that configuration since I was 13. So Having that there makes certain things a lot easier to do, mm-hmm. but most other clarinets don't have that. So if I were to play that that configuration, it's almost like relearning how to play in a sense. So what they're trying to do is um, develop this particular clarinet with the configuration that I have. I was going to say. It take a little more time, but um, they're really cool to work with. I mean, we've developed a really great relationship. So, I mean, for me to go down there and have all these instruments to try, it's kind of like you know, being in Playland. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. That must be literally the kid in the candy shop for you. I think yeah, they, <clears throat> they should call the serenade, the Dave Bennett, maybe I just, <laughs> just saying, I mean, right. Immortalize I it. I don't know about that, but at least they're, you know, I, I can probably have a, a really reliable um, instrument to play on. Right. So getting back to your beautiful music, and I say beautiful because it really is. You actually post something, and I'm not sure if this is on your your sort of your private page or your other social pages, but you often um, play when you play in church. Sometimes you'll play with a piano player and just you on the clarinet. And that music is just, it takes me away. I mean, it is just so beautiful, and it's so... It's so different than when you're doing the jazz festival and you're dancing on stage and you're singing and stuff like that. And you're just playing this beautiful clarinet in a church with a lady on the piano. And it's just a beautiful thing. Is that something you do every Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, because um, we have a wonderful pianist named uh, Doris Steinhardt. She's been there for years. And then uh, our pastor, Tom Hampton, he's an amazing singer and guitar player. So, yeah, whenever I'm in in town for church 
um, I always play a song with her and a song with him. And uh, yeah, it's just part of the part of the service. You know, they're, they're really great people. Absolutely. I love it. Well, you just got back from Birdland, as I said, in Times Square in New York City. That's like that's about just about as big and iconic in a sense, not big in size, uh, but like going to Carnegie Hall, which you've done before as well. And so really, where do you have to go from here except the entire world jazz festivals internationally or something? Um, is it, What's on your bucket list for you and your music besides Goshen next week? I, you know, I, I, I hope to travel the world more, you know, the only time I've really been out of the country besides Canada was uh, Switzerland. That was in 2008, but yeah, I, I still have dreams that are as high as the stars. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what the future is going to hold, but I, I'm still trying to figure it out and, uh, things are going really well and I don't know where the new album will take me. I mean, hopefully that might add another dimension or another chapter of, of my life. Um, to branch out into different things musically. I don't know. But uh, we'll see, you know. The sky's the limit, and heaven knows you're young enough. You have, you're still in the early stages of your career, even though you've been playing, you know, since you were a child. And so I, I have a feeling the world is going to get to know you, Dave Bennett. And then we can only hope you agree to come and entertain us here in northern Indiana um, at at our festivals and such, but I'm so appreciative and grateful that you took time out to do this. Cause I know you've been just traveling in, uh, a lot and also um, making this album. So I want to play as we uh, go on out, we just have like a minute or two left. Uh, I want to go out on the track that is the tiles track from your new album with the uh, more of a rock sensibility to it called nowhere fast. And how, how will we, we've got to know when this comes out so we can all, rush to download it <laughs> i would say if everything goes according to plan it'll be out within probably four weeks I don't within about four weeks i'm going to meet with the uh, producer tomorrow and we're going to be putting all that into motion so all right well dave bennett the sky's the limit thank you so much for joining us on the way home we'll see you next uh week on the 29th april 29th at uh goshen uh, theater and that show starts at 7 30 get your tickets fast everybody and i'll see you there if you're going because um i'd love to meet some of the listeners and some other groupies of dave bennett so thank you so much for joining us today thanks laura and uh godspeed with your new album thank you so much this is nowhere fast from an album of the same name that'll be out in about four weeks dave bennett everybody
Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, one of the great uh, advantages, I think, when I raised my daughter was that her school, her grade school, had a wonderful after-school program, like an array of fabulous, fun classes and activities that she could do. And indeed, I also even taught in an after-school club for the the YMCA uh, in New York. And it was just a great way to really see how much children flourish when they get an opportunity after the school bell rings. It's, uh, you know, time for them to, to get back to their day, but they get to do something really fun and interesting and educational. And I would imagine that because of the pandemic over the last years and many schools being closed and after school programs, um, needing to shut down for quite a while, um, that some of these kids not having that ability to socialize and interact and learn and, and participate in activities, Um, different crafts and different sports and things like that might not have been as great for their mental health as um, we could just imagine. I have someone here with me again this year. Uh, She was on last year, but I think it's such an important topic. Jody Grant, she's the executive director of After School Alliance. Thank you so much for joining us on the way home again. Thank you for having me. So tell us, I know there is a new study out. Um, I know that there's been a lot of uh, studies because of of the schools that were closed for so long and how it affected the, the, the psyche of the of the children, whether they were young and as young as kindergarten on up to, to high school. Obviously, there were a lot of uh, changes that they underwent, not being able to to be out and about. What what did you find in the study, Jody? So so thank you. Yeah. And, and the disruptions really took a toll on our children. And what we've seen is, you know, the new Surgeon General um, put out a report. The CDC did a survey of students. And while we were concerned about their mental health before, it has been greatly exacerbated by COVID. So, you know, the rates of depression, um, anxiety, sadness, um, suicidal ideation, um, they're all way up. And what our report found, which is really promising, is that parents believe that after school programs are big part of the solution. And those of us in after school, and you are giving perfect examples, um, we've always known that. Um, So we truly hope that, you know, this can help bring some national attention on the fact that in after school programs where kids feel safe physically and mentally, where they're around caring adults, where they get to interact with other kids, especially after the pandemic, and where they get to learn and explore and get out of their comfort zones, um, that really can do wonders for their physical and their mental well-being. And at the same time, they're learning all sorts of skills that are going to help them in life. Absolutely. I mean, I remember my daughter doing everything from cooking to um, different crafts, art, art types of things. And then, of course, the, the sports and stuff that were available. Um, I remember when I was working in the after school program, we even had homework help. We would help kids that maybe had homework that they knew that when they went home, they weren't going to be able to do it. So they, they wanted to, that. And there were even snacks available and things like that. It just was I all in all, it, I just I wish every school had an after school program. Do they? How how many schools do not have it in the country? Is it a lot? Or? So, so, so no, that that's a, that's a really good question. And I actually think you said two really important things there, which is the first, um, 
high quality after school programs are really comprehensive. So you're talking about, and this report that we just released is focusing on wellness in the macro level. So of course, there's the mental health piece, but also, you know, access to physical activity, which is super important, access to learning about cooking, to healthy meals, access to being on a team, whether it's sports or robotics or part of a chorus or a band, um, all of that builds really important life skills. Um, But what we also found out is that far too many kids do not have access to these programs. So they don't necessarily have to be in a school. They could be at a parks and rec, at a library, at a clubhouse. Um, And our study found that the parents of 25 million kids um, want programs for their kids, but don't have access. And it's either because they can't afford it, because the programs are unavailable or full in their community, or because they lack transportation. So 25 million kids, that's a huge number. Uh, we need to do something about those barriers so that more of those kids can benefit from the opportunities in after school. So how can how do you suggest that parents um, get involved and try to because, you know, we can't always wait for people in the school to do it. Sometimes we have to, you know, make suggestions and um, be available to to spearhead these things. How do people kind of start that in their own community? How can they get involved? So um, so we have all sorts of um, resources on our Web page, w.afterschoolalliance.org. But we have a once in a lifetime opportunity right now, which is that parents that are in low income neighborhoods, which are the ones that are least likely to have these programs, their school districts have federal COVID dollars that can be used to create and expand after school and summer programs. And the school districts who are controlling this money absolutely need to hear from parents. Um, you know, I was doing part of this report release you're doing with National 4-H. They have a program in every single zip code in America. So if school districts partner with groups like 4-H, Boys and Girls Clubs, YMCAs, um, you know, after school partners, parks and recs, they can be reaching so many more kids. Um, but we need to encourage them to share those federal COVID relief dollars to think beyond the school day and beyond the school employees so that we can reach kids throughout the time that they're learning and not just that school day. Absolutely. I think it's so important. And I know right now there's, it seems to be there's in the community where I am, I know there's even a lot of confusion with just basic transportation. Like we, you know, growing up, we took, you know, getting on the school bus for granted and now they're having trouble finding school bus drivers. So then now how do you add an extra piece of getting them maybe from some one facility for their school to another? And if not, if they are to stay in school, then how can things, logistical things like transportation be worked out for them? But it's so important. Let's hope that the teachers, have you found, Jody Grant, that they're, the teachers and the, the school boards in, are interested in these types of programs? Or is this something that you really kind of have to cajole out of them? Um, I think that, you know, a third of our after-school workforce is teachers, And particularly when we're talking about summer, um, you know, teachers are huge champions of being in our programs and voluntarily choosing to work in programs. The challenge is is school districts. So our most recent survey found that only 20% of the after-school programs we were speaking to had tapped into these federal dollars. And the ones that are, are doing really extraordinary things. And at least right now in this emergency, because staffing is an issue, you can use some of those dollars for 
increasing staff salaries for doing matching grants on things like AmeriCorps volunteers. Um, you could use it, you know, for transportation and, and drivers. So I think, you know, we, we need to do better. And where we really need help is convincing our school districts to share those dollars. So I think teachers, PTAs, parents, and the youth themselves, because when we talk to the youth, I think their voices are by far the most powerful and authentic about what they need, um, can hopefully persuade more regions of the country to invest in this kind of programming. Absolutely. I saw myself firsthand uh, working at an after-school center and also seeing my daughter um, come home from them every day and the, the joy she derived from that and the various skills and socialization that she got from it. It's really, I think, an incredibly important. And here we are already in spring looking forward to the summer, and it would be great for so many parents and so many communities that may not have other resources to have something like these um, af- after-school programs and summer programs available to them. And There are apparently so many resources. Thank you once again. I'll give the website. It's afterschoolalliance.org, afterschoolalliance.org. And I'm assuming, Jody, that you have a lot of resources there. People can maybe find a way to, to step in and get involved in their district, correct? Yes, and that would be terrific. Wonderful. Jody Grant, thank you so much. And she is uh, truly making a difference for all of our students um, in the country, trying to help by getting them into some meaningful types of programs after school. Executive Director of After School Alliance, afterschoolalliance.org. Thank you so much for being on the way home. Oh, it was my pleasure to join you again. Thank you. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Once again, here's Laura. Well, there are more than 62 million Latinos who live and work in the United States, and um, a lot of them are uh, completely fine and self-sufficient, and they're uh, contributing in every way uh, to society, and they, uh, 80% of them are U.S. citizens. What's interesting is, though, there's a program for uh, 17% of them who are having um, issues with with taking advantage of a program that might offer them assistance with getting uh, good, healthy food to their families, especially the families with children. And so my guest today is Alejandra Gepp. She is the Health Programs Director for Unidos U.S. Alejandra, thank you so much for joining us today on the way home. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Yes. So there is this program um, that 4 million uh, Latinos are actually eligible for. It's called SNAP, but a lot of people may not know what that is, and they may want to uh, learn more about it so they can help their neighbor or get involved in their community. So what what is SNAP? Absolutely. The Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, also known as SNAP, and, it, and it's uh, formerly um, was known as the um, food stamp program. It's available to help individuals and family put food on the table, uh, especially during uh, tough times. Um, SNAP is the nation's largest food assistance program. And um, in general, the program helps hardworking families save money to purchase healthy or healthier uh, food, for example, fruits and vegetables, meats, um, even they can buy um, bottled water uh, for families with children. Uh, baby cereals, baby formula can be expensive. Um, with the SNAP benefit, families can buy formula and, cereal, and cereal, cereals. 
We are, Laura, facing um, a major inflation. We are paying, that is impacting all of us. We are paying more for gas, for food, and everything has become even uh, more expensive. So for uh, low-income families and hardworking families who are just not making enough, whose salaries haven't um, catch up yet with the level of inflation, maybe having a hard time uh, feeding their family um, with high quality ingredients. And SNAP is funded by tax dollars um, that all of us contribute because it's a federal program. And those who qualify should um, um, find out more about and if they need it, they should apply. And so Alejandra, is this for um, everywhere in the United States, the, the SNAP program? You said it's a federal program. So is it available in every state? Absolutely. Yes, this is a federal program that is uh, available across the United States and um, Puerto Rico. Okay. So, and how would somebody maybe who has the language barrier issue in in terms of uh, not speaking English, how would they go about it? Are the SNAP programs uh, run by fluent uh, Spanish speakers? So there are different um, ways to access the program, and it all depends, uh, Laura, where um, uh, the individual or the family is is located. Um, There are, uh, in local communities, trusted sources of information. Uh, For example, the local health department um, should have someone bilingual, but in some cases they, they don't. Um, so for individuals and families uh, who need that assistance, um, they can find out a local trusted messenger, for example, a family member or um, someone at the church, community center who can help provide the information. Uh, community-based organizations have been on the front line helping uh, meet uh, the most immediate needs of families and communities for a very long time, especially during um, the COVID-19 pandemic. So they are an excellent source of of information. But also people can call um, the following number, 1-800-221-5689. 1-800-229-5689 to see if they are eligible or they qualify for a SNAP in in your state. Um, They can also go to the website um, of the Department of Agriculture, www.fns.usda.org. Uh, gov gov slash snap um and these are all great uh, venues to find out more about um snap whether uh the person qualifies or not and i can give an example for a family of three that earns at most uh two thousand three hundred seventy nine dollars per month um, 
you may be eligible for the program and receive about $520 a month in benefits. Mm -hmm. For a family of five, uh, some families have more members in in the family uh, that earns at most $3,363 per month may receive up to $748 a month. And I want to clarify for the listeners who have tuned in today, that is very important um, you find out about uh, the income ceiling for your state because in some states, for example, California, Nevada, uh, for a family of three, of three um, that earns at most three thousand six hundred sixty, which is a little above um, the the earlier figure, uh, um, they are, they still qualify for for SNAP. So it's very important. The rules across the state uh, and the income ceiling. Uh, can vary, and it's very important that you find out either by calling this number 1-800-221-5689, visiting the website that I mentioned earlier, or finding out in your local communities you like to receive uh, face-to-face information, for example, your local clinic, health department, or another trusted source. Okay, wonderful. And if they were to just Google SNAP, I'm supposing uh, they would probably be led to the right uh, place as well, because it's easy to remember that that uh, acronym, S-N-A-P, SNAP. Thank you so much, Alejandra Gep. She's with the Health Programs Director for Unidos U.S. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Way Home. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. Take care. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, welcome back to you, Jim Cleefield, my guru. of Yes, we missed you so much. Uh, Our guru of good news has a new job besides radio at uh, taking care of of, uh, doggies. Mm -hmm. I mean, are you kidding me? Could you get a more wonderful, fantastic thing to do? Yes. Yes, And it's at a... Yeah, go ahead. It's, Tell us a little bit about it. I'm interested. Well, I'm a canine coach at, at a company called Dogtopia. I think they have outlets all over the country. And you know, in the, so many times I've done the show where I talked about in good news about furries and dogs, because that's my other passion besides radio. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that I got this opportunity. I mean, this is not just babysitting for two dogs. It could be like 20 or more. It's like you're a god poppy, you know, like me, to these 20 kids. The different personalities, you're trying to keep them in line, you're keeping them from fighting, and it is a tough job, but it's a labor of love, and I'm just so blessed to be doing it, aside this show, of course. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Canine coach. Can I call you CC instead of JD like well, I always do? You can call do? me anything you want, LJ. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. I'm so grateful. Well, it's good to have you back. Bob filled in for you, our wonderful engineer here. Thank you, sir. I love having Bob. And, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, people should know that, Bob Small, that you're an engineer, but you're also always on the radio, on the microphone. You're not just a mechanical guy. Put a mic in front of me. I'll talk. <laughs> yes, you will. And thank goodness, because you filled in for, for Jim last week, and uh, that was awesome for our Easter Sunday show. So, Jim, we've got a couple of minutes here. I'm sure you have found something uh, while out there 
canine coaching, you've probably found some happy stories on the of web. Of course. I never fail to do that, right? Well, we'll start off in Athens, Texas. Uh, there's a gentleman who was a car hop at a Sonic in Athens, and uh, he must be a model employee. This guy's name is John McClendon. He's, he smiles. He, he doesn't just show up for work. I mean, he's he's just you know helping his customers. They really think very highly of him. Well, anyway, his kindness is kind of being paid for it because a stranger apparently uh, saw this kindness uh, and, I guess, videoed it and put it on social media. And her name is Cassie Woods. And she said, you know, Sam, this guy does such good for so many people that we ought to do something for him. We ought to pay him back in some way, maybe a little bit more of a generous tip. Well, there were so many commenters online that they decided to put a little money together. And so you know what that turned out to be? That tip was not just any tip. Three hundred twenty dollars, not a king's ransom, but still, I mean, think about it. Three hundred twenty dollars. I mean, he could take a weekend off. He can buy something. They just want to show their love that you know, Mr. McClendon just really has been such a great employee, and they want to kind of pay him back for all that he did. So, good job for him. So he's more than just your car hop and and giving people food and drink. I mean, now he's he's got a wonderful support system and, and even bigger friends. And he knows he's yeah. loved. Yes, very loved. Very much so. Absolutely. And it goes a long way. When you get good customer service and people who treat you with kindness, and I know, you know, certain places talk about this a lot, but, you know, Chick-fil-A, it's always so pleasant if you go to Chick-fil-A. I don't know if they have them in New York where I used to live. I don't think so. They have one in my home state. Oh, they do in Connecticut. Okay. But they have them here a lot, and they're very popular. But one of the reasons they're so popular is because the customer service, the people are so kind. When they come to your car, they treat you with respect, and they're sweet, and they're they're always gracious and going out of their way to be nice. So I think just customer service in general, it can change your day when somebody is serving you and they're you know, full of love in their heart. That's a good one. Love that. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's great to be here with you. I want to thank Dave Bennett. Make sure you go see him on uh, the 29th, April 29th at the Goshen Theater and get his new album when it comes out, Nowhere Fast. And in the meantime, lots of love. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. And thank you to all of you listening. And I appreciate it so much. Stay inspired. Stay safe. Stay happy. And look for the good in the world if you can. And, uh, By all means, come back and join us next week on The Way Home. Lots of love.